Go, living life for others. Uh, our base scripture, which I'm not going to read this morning, has been Matthew 28, uh, 19 and 20, where Jesus, after his resurrection, and he spent some time teaching uh, disciples about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Uh, it was time for him to go, and uh, he stood on top of the mountain there on top of that hill, and he gave us some marching orders. Go. He told us to go, teach, make disciples, baptize. In other words, share the good news. Share the good news. Last week we talked about before we go, we must come in. We must come into his presence. And then we're going to go out, but not without his presence. We're going to go out with his presence. Last week we focused on coming in and what that meant. We saw this phrase, coming in and going out. And we saw it all through Scripture, but we got it primarily from 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 7, where we find Solomon saying to God, uh, Oh Lord, my God, uh, you, you have put uh, your servant on the throne instead of your, your, your son David. And, but I am but a child. I do not know how to go out and how to come in. This is what Solomon told the Lord. I don't know how to go out or how to come in. I'm just a little child. Show me how to do this. So we took this phrase here, going in and come out, coming out, and we understand that they're military terms where coming in means worship, yes, and going out means witnessing. Coming in means worship. Going out means witnessing. We talked about coming into God's presence, worshiping on a daily basis, uh, laying down our burdens, but we not only need to come in, we also need to what? Go out. We need to witness. Now here, let me ask you a question this morning. What if a person said, uh, you know what? It is so good in the presence of God that that's what I want to do. I just want to come in to the presence of God and that's all I want to do. What do you think would happen if that's uh, was our heart. That, that's all we wanted to do was come into the presence of God. I want to tell you, it sounds pretty good to me. I mean, uh, just to be in God's presence where there's healing, where there's overcoming all of our circumstances, where there's deliverance from habits uh, that you don't even know I have and habits I don't know you have and things that so easily trip us up. God in his presence will deliver us from those things. And, uh, you know, there's uh, peace in his presence. Why would we not want to go in and only worship? Why would we not want to do that? Well, uh, you know, it sounds good. Doesn't sound like a bad thing if we spent the rest of our life just worshiping God. But I'm going to show you this morning that it actually does have bad implications for us. It's not God's plan for our life to only come in. I'll show you that in Scripture in just a minute. But uh, the reason is God designed you to be a river, not a reservoir. He designed you to be a river. You ever seen after a hard rain uh, how uh, there's puddles and, or you ever gone by a pond that just looks nasty? You ever seen that and you said, I wouldn't swim in that water, much less drink it. You know, that's just nasty water. And what happens is the water's just been there for a while. You know, it's, nothing's coming in, stuff is coming into it, but nothing's going out. It's just holding it. And that's what we become when we hold the presence of God and all of his blessings in us. Hard to believe, isn't it? No, these are the blessings of the Lord. Yes, but when you hold them to yourself, you become stale, just like that water. That's a body of water. But listen, we, our lives become like that. 
God designed us to receive and give. And we have the doctrine of giving and receiving, which is correct. Paul talks about it. We talk about giving and receiving. But I want you to think about it this way. It really should be the doctrine of receiving and giving. We received first. Before we knew what giving was, we received. When you came into this world, you began to receive. Now God is trying to show you how to make that a perpetual thing. Give, and he'll continue to give to us. Forgive, and he says it. Jesus told us, forgive, and I'll forgive you. Come on, show mercy, and I'll show mercy to you. Give, and it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together. Don't judge other people unless you want that same judgment. Come on, he says all of those things. But he designed us to give out. He designed us to give out. And when you stop giving, you're in trouble. And we're going to see that. Now, we looked at Solomon, and we saw how Solomon said, I don't know how to come in and go out. My father David did, and therefore I need wisdom. God gave him wisdom. Uh, Now, we know that David was a great worshiper, wasn't he? He was a great worshiper. David was also a great warrior. David was a great king. David was a great man. But we also know that David had a moral failure, didn't he? We also know that as great as David was, he also had a moral failure. This man who's after God's own heart. Wouldn't it be terrific if the Bible told us why? Other than he's just a man, I mean, we know that. A man looking at a woman, I mean, you know, come on, let's be realistic about it. I mean, we know, yeah, well, I know why he failed, because he's a man, he's looking at that woman. Well, there's something a little bit deeper than that. Besides that, because we all have those failures. Come on, we all see things, and it goes beyond people. We see things that we lust after or we're envious after, and it causes us to act. Come on, and sometimes we even react to those things. But wouldn't it be uh, something if the Bible told us why exactly David failed at this particular moment? Wouldn't it be that great so that we could also avoid this? Wouldn't it be something if it had to do with coming in and going out? (laughs) Anybody have an idea kind of where I'm going with this? 2 Samuel chapter 11. Let's just look at the first two verses. You've read it before. You've heard it preached about. You've probably talked about it. But let's just look at these two verses here. The Bible says in verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 11 that it happened in the spring of the year. Ah, springtime. Life is starting anew. And new love is starting. Ah, it happened in the spring of the year at the times when the kings, what's that phrase there? Go out. I want you to say that with me when when I get to it. At the time when the kings, what? At the time when the kings, one more time, at the time when the kings go out to battle, it says, it doesn't say David went out, it says David sent Joab and his servants with him. Just a side note here, I don't have this in any of the notes, but how many know that when God commissions you to do something and you allow someone else to do it or you send someone else to do it, you're in trouble? Now, they can get it done because what God commissions is going to get done. But you didn't do what he told you to do. Come on. You're in trouble right there. So it says he sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. 
And they destroyed all the people of Ammon. See, it's still what, what needed to be accomplished still got accomplished. And besieged Rabbah. But David stayed home. David remained in church. David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened. See, then it happened. David remained at home when he was supposed to go out. Then it happened. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a young woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. Okay. I have a very, you know the story. I have a very simple question we can ask right here. Just a simple question. We don't know the answer necessarily to this question, but it's something to ponder. Would David's failure have even happened if he would have been where God told him to be? How many times have you told your children that? I, think back when you were a kid. How many times did your mama tell you? Not, if you was where you're supposed to be, you, you wouldn't have been in this mess. But no, you want to cut school and go with your friends. And it's not enough that you cut school, but then they went and stole some snicker bar, and now you're in trouble. I got to come down to the police station and get... If you was in school, if you was where you're supposed to be, that's the question. If David was where he was supposed to be, would any of this... We don't know the answer, but would it, it's a valid question. David fell when he stopped going out. We, we take this phrase... Come in and go out. Come in and go out. Solomon said, my father knew how to do. So it's not that David didn't know how to come in and go out. At least Solomon was admitting, I don't know how to do this. But my father David, he knew how to do it. So David knows how to go in and come out, but he stopped going out and he failed. It's because God designed you to give. He, he designed you that he would flow through you. So now listen, when you stop giving... Here's what happens. When you stop giving, you tend to turn inward toward yourself. When you stop giving, when you stop thinking about others, you turn inward. It would be great if you only turned upward, but you don't. You turn inward and you begin to focus on your own needs. And the way you get your needs satisfied and that's why they called it a backwards kingdom in that video we saw. Because the way you get your needs satisfied is by giving. You wouldn't think that, would you? But that's the way you get your needs satisfied. Give and your needs will be taken care of. David began to look at his own needs. All of us have our own needs. But here's the problem. Satan will try to give you things to fill the need in your life with some sort of substitute. There's a God-given need, and there's a God-given fulfillment for that need. But what we do is we accept Satan's substitutes for those needs, and that's exactly what happened here. And it's what has happened in our lives. Come on. So we're talking about let's go. And I, and I, want, you to, I want you to think about this. Often when we hear about a sermon, we're going to hear this sermon, you don't have to admit it. But a lot of times we think, okay, what's this going to do for me? What do I get out of this? And it's not that we're really trying to be selfish, but it's just a natural thing. I'm going to hear this sermon or this sermon series or this message or this teaching on Wednesday night on Hebrews or I'm in the, the Hebrew club or I'm going to hear this uh, message on Revelation or whatever it might be or, you know, what, what, am, I going to, what am I going to get out of this? How, how is this thing going to help me? 
Oh, great. We're talking about uh, kingdom principles. How does that apply to me? Rightfully so. Oh, we're talking about, you know, overcoming. We're talking about healing. How does that apply to me? And, you know, hey, Pastor Mike said, hey, we're going to preach on let's go out. Hmm, I don't like that so much. That means I have to do something. That means I have to be uncomfortable. I'll say it one last time. Awkward is awesome. Come on, I got to be awkward. I have to do something. But listen, if you reach out to others, it will do something for you. And it's, it's Jesus' heart that we do this. Flip over to Luke chapter 14. Here's a New Testament picture now of coming in and going out. Title of last week's message was, Let's Come In or Coming In, talking about go. You want to title this week's message is, Let's Go Out. Let's Go Out. Luke chapter 14, verse 15. Look at, now see if you can look past the situation in Jesus' words here. And please look at his heart. Look at his heart. Beginning at verse 15, the Bible says, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he, Jesus, said to him, the man who said, blessed is he who shall eat bread. He said, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper, uh, he sent and sent his servant at supper time to say those who were invited, tell him, come, come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to what? (laughs) Make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. The second said, uh, uh, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to go test them. And I ask that you excuse me. Please have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, master, it is done as you commanded. And still there is room. (laughs) Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways. I love the King James on this. The highways and the byways, (laughs) highways and the hedges. And he says this, compel them to come in And he always gives a reason that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Now, this is incredible. Notice they're all sitting around talking about the great supper. Remember in Revelation, it talks about the great marriage uh, to to the lamb. And it talks about the great supper of the lamb. That's what they're talking about here. And uh, they're, they're talking about this thing, and it's typically called the parable of the Great Supper. But it, it's interesting as they're talking about this, I, I have another take on it. I call it the parable of the great excuses. The parable of the great excuses. Unchurched people have great excuses on not coming to church. But before we get so high and mighty... <laughs> Churched people have a lot of excuses on not witnessing and inviting people to church as well. Come on now. 
But the parable of the great excuse, and as each excuse has its own name, and those are my those are my three points. First one, I call it the case of the missing ground. The case of the missing ground. The Bible says this guy bought some ground, and he said, "I, I, I, I you know, you're having this great feast, but I bought some ground, and I need to go look at it. Why?" I mean, it's almost like he bought the ground before looking at it. I mean, it's like nobody buys, nobody buys a car before they look at it, do they? And why did he need to go look at it right then? I mean, maybe there are some reasons, I understand, but no one's going to steal your ground. I mean, I, I've never heard of it when somebody comes out and they say, hey, wait a minute, what happened to my ground? What are you talking about? There's no ground here. I, I had some ground and somebody stole it. Nobody steals ground. You ever heard of anybody stealing ground? No, it's going to be there. It's going to be there. He's asking you to come to this feast. Hey, where's my... It almost sounds like he bought it first and now he wants to go look at it. Why would you buy ground before you look at it? Other than the Louisiana Purchase. But other than that, I, nobody's here from Louisiana, are they? Praise God. <laughs> Turned out okay. Turned out all right. We got the New Orleans Saints out of it. So, But the other thing is these banquets were held at night, right? These, these uh, I didn't explain the banquet to you. I mean, we don't have time, but, you know, these banquets were held at night, and they were great feasts. You know, we're, we're having what we call an agape festival, and that's really what it was. It was a, it was a feast and also a, a celebration, right? And there was just all, all the food that you would ever want. And they were held at night. And this guy says, I bought a piece of ground and I need to go look at it. But as far as I know, car headlights weren't invented yet or flashlights. Now, you did have a lamp and a lantern, lantern so you could kind of look at it that way. But I don't even think he could see the ground. That's crazy. The case of the missing ground. The second one I call the case of the radioactive oxen. And here, here's why I say that. I recently bought some oxen, and I need to go test them. Well, again, these festivals are usually at night. You're going to go test your oxen right now at night? I'm saying, come on in to dinner. I've got everything you've ever wanted. I mean, come on now. I've got fried chicken, greens, mashed potatoes. I mean, whatever you want, beans, you name it. We got it here. This is a, this is a festival and a feast, and you want to go test your oxen. I, to me, I, how's he going to plow at night? I mean, unless the oxen glowed in the dark. That's why I call it the case of the radioactive oxen. Or maybe one of them had a very shiny nose, and if you ask, he would even say it glows. I, I don't know. What I was thinking was maybe this guy was going to go plow the field of the other guy because he had oxen that, were li that light up at night. And he could see the, I don't know, I, I'm trying to figure out their excuses here. <laughs> I bought some ground, now I need to go look at it. I bought some oxen, now I need to go test them. That's like saying I bought a car, now I need to go test drive it. Who does that? Nobody does that. So these excuses don't make any sense. Here's a third one. I'm going somewhere with this. We're almost there. I call this one, now, easy now, but I call this one the case of the killer bride. Here's why. Think about this. These banquets, as we said, they're incredible. I mean, they're laid out. I mean, they have all this kind of food. What young couple? When you, when you get married, you know, when you first get married, uh, 
some people, some of you, you know, come from rich backgrounds, you know, and your, your, your parents give you everything that you ever need, and they set up a trust for you of a million dollars, and they buy you a car, and they buy your house, and all of that kind. I mean, some of y'all, I don't know Jeff and Nicole, some of y'all may have experienced that. I don't know. I just know that wasn't my experience. I know that we got some money. We got gifts, and we had, man, we had housewarming parties and all kind of stuff and got all kind of gifts. But you know what? Usually, you use that money for things like, oh, I don't know, buying a kitchen table, buying some curtains, uh, take, those, take that, take that uh, sheet down off the window, buy some curtains. Somebody know what I'm talking about. Everybody don't. Come on now. I mean, you know, and, and so, especially for a guy, if somebody says, let's go eat, and you know, usually what you eat is what you grow back then. They didn't have Kroger. I mean, they, they did some trade. I understand that. But there wasn't, you just couldn't run down to Kroger and get prepackaged this and prepackaged. They, you know, so it, it was like they ate probably bland food and just enough, just enough, because we got to have some food tomorrow and the next day and the next day, right? And we're growing this. So, we can't just eat everything in one day like my son does, but, uh, you know, you can't just do that. And so when somebody says, come over to this feast, the guy's like, honey, let's go. Let's go. It's time to go eat. I don't know what you're doing. Throw on something. You got something to wear. wear any, you can wear some of my shorts. Let's go. It's time to eat. They're inviting us over to eat. <laughs> and so here's what I'm getting at. You know, guess what, honey? We don't have to endure takeout. <laughs> We can save the, steak and the, the, the shake and bake for tomorrow night. We've been invited to dinner. I mean, you go through a lot when you first get married. I, I remember uh, telling my wife this. I remember, I won't name any names, but I remember uh, a friend of mine had just gotten married, and he and his wife uh, invited me over for dinner, and I just went by myself. And when I got over to their apartment, uh, it was kind of like uh, I could kind of smell. You have a little burnt smell. You know, I kind of saw a little smoke, just a little bit, you know. And so I'm going in, and uh, we're going, hey, man, I was going, hey, hey, oh, it's good to see you guys. We go down and sit to eat dinner. And I look on my plate, uh, and the rice is burned. And so I'm thinking, is this like some new African rice and different? And, uh, but it wasn't. You know, when I taste the rice, I mean, it, it tastes burned. I mean, it's burnt. It's burnt. And uh, she, I, she went to the bathroom or back into the kitchen or something. I said, hey, man. I said, why are you eating this rice? He said, look, you see that couch over there? I'm trying to stay off of it. And I'm, I'm trying to keep peace in my home. And if you know what's good for you, you're going to eat the rice too. <laughs> you know, when you first, listen, when you first get married, you, 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 you're trying to figure stuff out. You know, you just got to make it work. And if somebody said, come on over to dinner, I don't know who's going to turn that down. Here's what Jesus is saying. Uh, you know, any excuse, any excuse not to accept Christ, really, it's, it's foolish not to accept Christ. It's crazy. And, and lost people come up with all sorts of excuses. I don't, don't go to church. We, I said this before. <laughs> I don't go to church because there's hypocrites. That's the number one thing I hear. I don't go to church because there's hypocrites there. It's the most ridiculous thing, you hypocrite. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I don't go to church because there's hypocrites. You go to your job, there's hypocrites. You go to Kroger, there's hypocrites. You went bowling last week and you was a hypocrite. Come on. I mean, it's, you know, these, these, I would rather spend a few years with some hypocrites here than eternity with hypocrites away from God. Come on. So hypocrites, that's not an excuse. It's like me driving down the street, throwing money out the window. 
why are you throwing your money out the window? Why? There was some counterfeit money one time. I saw it. And uh, you're throwing your money out, right? We wouldn't do that. And so, we, you know, people just come up with all of these. Why would you throw your life away because of a counterfeit Christian? Until Jesus is counterfeit, until Jesus is counterfeit, I'm not going to throw my life away because it's what somebody else does. I mean, if somebody else falls or somebody else, uh, first of all, I'm going to have to look in the mirror. I mean, you can, before you start judging other people, judge not that ye be not judged. Come on now. And then look at verse 23 of this Luke 14. He said, go out. He said to compel them. The Greek word for compel means to constrain by force. Like when you take somebody's hand and put it behind them. I'm not telling you to go out and be physical with people and get them in the church. But what I'm telling you is, is that your attitude, you have to have a heart for people. You have to have such a heart that you won't give up. Even if, if, if they won't listen to you, you won't give up praying for them. You won't just turn your back. It's so easy to do. Maybe they curse you. Maybe they say, you've offended me. And so it's so easy. Well, forget it then. You don't want to go into hell. I'm not. So I'm not worried about you, right? It's easy to have that attitude. But Jesus is saying, don't have that attitude. Compel them. Compel them through prayer. Compel them through prayer. And, you know, here's the other thing. There, there's a reason why they're not going to be at this feast. It's because they didn't accept the invitation. But there's another reason. Could it be because... No one invited them. I'm talking about coming into the kingdom now. Could it be because no one invited them? Because the master said, look, I want you to go out into the highways and the byways. And I want you to find, it doesn't matter who they are, but I want you to find them. And I want you to bring them in here to me. Go out and get them. Here's what I was talking about. Almost done here. Here's what I was talking about with Jesus' heart. Notice that when they're sitting there at the table and they're, they're, they're eating this great dinner. And they're just having a good time. And uh, one of the guys there sitting next to Jesus, he, he begins to reflect and he begins to daydream. And he says, blessed is the one who's going to eat like this in the kingdom. Imagine if it's like this now. What's it going to be like in the kingdom? What's it going to be like? Oh, it's going to be so great. And Jesus sitting there. I imagine maybe Jesus, he was, in, he, he, he was wrapped in flesh, and so he had feelings just like we do. I imagine Jesus probably daydreamed. He was like us in all ways. And so I imagine Jesus, his mind might have gone there as well. Wow, this guy's really... But then immediately, notice what Jesus said. Notice what he said. He began to tell a parable. His heart didn't go to the people who are going to be in the kingdom, his heart immediately went to the people who are not. That's the heart of this whole thing, of this whole Luke 14. Jesus' heart and his mind immediately went to the lost. You're talking about how great it's going to be in the kingdom. And he's saying, listen, it is going to be great, but my mind is on all those who are not going to be there. That's where my mind is. Where is your mind? Where is your mind? In other words, what he's saying is, get up from my table and go out and bring others in. You've eaten. You've had your fill. Don't get stale. Go out and bring others into what is going on here. Why? Because I want my house to be full. I have enough blessings for everyone that I have created. Everyone that I have created. And so we're talking about these excuses that the lost people have. 
You know, we have some excuses as well. You ever gone to a grocery store or maybe you see someone that lives on your street? Maybe you haven't uh, had an opportunity to really talk to them real good other than hi and bye. And they see you and you say, hey, you know, you live on the street. And you, you start talking and you get into a conversation. And all of a sudden, this thought comes up. Hey, you should invite them to church. And then what do you do? In your, in your mind, you say, well, now I got this thought. Now, Lord, if that's you, I'm, I'm going to invite them to church. I just want to settle something for you right now. The devil is not going to prompt you to invite anybody to church. <laughs> okay, first of all. And you say, well, Lord, if that's, if that's me, I don't want to be in my own flesh. I, I'm not trying to talk bad about you, but I know you think you're real spiritual. You're not that spiritual. I mean, you're going to <laughs> you are spiritual, but I mean, listen, it's God. That's what I'm trying to say. It's God. If you get prompted to invite someone to church, it is God. You are an overcomer. He wants you to bring them in to be the overcomer as well. And here's, here's the last thing. Witnessing is a lot easier than you think. It's a lot easier than you think. Really, we do it already. You already witness. You ever seen a young couple fall in love? It, you know, all they, it's like the guy, all he talks about is his girlfriend. You know, you guys are out, you're playing ball and you're doing this. And he's, you know, I got to go call, you know, Amanda. Come on, man, we're playing ball right now. You know, other guys tease him. Or either that, uh, or we just noticed that we were hanging out with a guy, and all of a sudden he's not around anymore. It's kind of like, where's Bill? I ain't seen Bill. And then, you know, two weeks later, you see him in the mall carrying a bag, carrying a purse and carrying some bags. I was going to call y'all. I'll call you. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You know, I said that's the last thing, but it's funny. You, you notice in this, in this text, uh, you, you notice that the guy, the other two excuses, they, they said, listen, I, I, gotta, I, I bought some land. Uh, I need to go, I need to go uh, look at it. Please excuse me. The other guy said, look, I, uh, I just bought some oxen. I got to go test them out. Please excuse me. You notice what the guy said? He said, you coming? He said, look, I just got married. It ain't going to happen. I don't, you ain't got to excuse me. I ain't coming. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm married. <laughs> and so... I'm trying to show you that that love relationship, here, here's what it is. But to go out and witness, we think it's so hard and so difficult. All you have to really do is fall in love with Jesus. You fall in love with him, you'll be witnessing. You fall in love with him, you truly fall in love with him. You come in to his presence, you can't help but either talk about him or at least live like him. People are going to see something different when you live like him. And so God gave us a mandate to go, to go.